0: No matter what walk of life I'm in, electrician, musician, politician, uh, stay-at-home parent, whatever you are, every moment of every day, obviously, you have a chance to be a worshiper. How do I show the worth of God by the way I fix this toilet? How do I show the worth of God as I'm building Lego with my boys? How do I show the worth of God when I'm singing songs to a pe- to a group of people? How do I show the worth of God when I'm asked to lead them to sing a prayer to him? You don't have to compartmentalize all this stuff. Like Paul was saying before about, you know, ministry, the compartmentalizing messes us up. So how do I show the worth of God in this moment? And that's that's a lot more fun way to live.
1: Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I am privileged to chat with a musical guest who is listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. On today's episode, I'm going to try to wrangle technology and take you around the world on a world tour. Because today I'm talking with the Paul Coleman Trio, which means we are connecting with Paul in Nashville, Phil Gaudian in Australia, and Grant Norsworthy in New Zealand. Now these guys are a lot of fun, and we did an awful lot of laughing in this conversation. It's really obvious that the Paul Coleman Trio, or PC3 as they're called, that they really enjoy each other's company. Another reason this was fun is because these guys have not been in the same room since about 2013, so... It was fun to be a fly on the wall to catch up with these guys. Speaking of fly on the wall, Grant had some kind of critter crawl under his New Zealand office and die. <laughs> I know that sounds like an odd thing to bring up, but if you listen really close, you might be able to hear the flies that were buzzing around his office as a result of the dead roadkill under the floor. <laughs> Grant endured quite a stench to spend time with us, and of course, Paul and Phil had to make sure we all understood the seriousness of this situation. We had a lot of fun during our time together, but we also talked a lot about what it means to be a follower of Christ. How do we live our lives intentionally for Jesus? How does God take our broken and messed up lives and use them to show people around us that God loves him? This is definitely a conversation that you do not want to miss. I I know I say that about most of these episodes, but for me... Trust me, this is an especially good episode. We're going to get to our interview in just a minute, but I'm honored to have Doug Hoffman here again. Doug is the executive director of Mercy, Inc. And today we're going to talk about the country of Haiti and a medical clinic that you're working with down there. Tell us about what's going on in Haiti.
2: Thanks, Dave. I've traveled all around the world. I've been to the what I consider the poorest countries of the world mm-hmm. uh, until I got to Haiti. And Haiti, by far, is the poorest country. That I know Uh, people live in poverty the sewage uh, it runs in the street political unheaval uh, no jobs I mean it's just a very very difficult one but we work alongside Bethesda Medical Clinic and they've been in place for the last 60 plus years in Cape Haitian which is in northern Haiti okay and this clinic is is there it nurtures people it heals people and as they're being healed there's also a spiritual element to it, because not only do they want to heal them physically, they also want to heal them spiritually.
1: So how does that happen? I mean, if I'm sick and I go to this clinic, I'm here there to get my, my toe fixed or whatever.
2: You're going to get your toe fixed, okay? But with it, they're also going to be talking about the healing power of Jesus. And and one real example I just love to tell is the story really of a voodoo doctor, which is very common in North Haiti, as voodoo doctors are there, and they're the healing ones, but You know they oftentimes can't heal themselves. Oh right. And Dr. Rodney loves to tell the story of one coming in. He he happened to have diabetes, uh, and he just he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and he couldn't. It just wouldn't change. And they they immediately diagnosed what the disease was. It was diabetes. But he also said this is the healing power of Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus? And they prayed with him. He accepted Christ. Oh wow. And also, they figured out how to control his diabetes, so he was healed physically and spiritually. Also, then the vo- voodoo doctor had to give up his, pa- his his business. Oh yeah, because he was following Jesus. Wow. And uh, so he, it creates another issue of how to create jobs for this it, yeah vo- very talented voodoo doctor. So,
1: if somebody wanted to be involved in Bethesda Medical Clinic through Mercy, how would they do that?
2: So Mercy is helping. I happen to sit on the board of directors for the Bethesda Medical Clinic. And as I sit on there, I'm also in charge with the fundraising aspect. We are working to build a new clinic. We're needing to move from the current property we have and the buildings are 60 years old. So they're needing to be replaced. We have a new piece of ground. We are in the process of raising funds uh, to build this new clinic, to be able to continue for the next 60, 100 years to provide medical care into this North Cape Haitian uh, community in Haiti.
1: And so to do that, they can just log on to mercycompassion.org. Correct. And there's a place there that they could either go on a trip or support.
2: Go on to mercycompassion.org. And as you go on there, you also see a donate button. Hit that donate button and our screen will pop up and you can donate to Haiti. Uh, Indicate in the little description box. uh, It's for the Haiti construction. Uh, And also indicate if you're interested in going on a trip, yes. Just say that in that little box too. And we'll be in contact with you. We'd love to have you go on a trip.
1: Well, this is fun for me because this is the first time I've I've done four time zones in a conversation. So, <laughs> or if you look at it this way, it's two separate days because uh, Phil and Grant, you guys are uh, already in Tuesday, right?
0: Yeah, we're in the future. Thanks for leading the way, fellas. <laughs> it's all right. It's gonna be a good day. It's gonna be a good day. <laughs>
1: are you wearing shades?
0: The future so bright, you got to wear shades. Well, it is summer
1: here. So that's the other
3: difference. Yep. Yep. Right.
0: I'm in my little uh, studio that's about 10 steps away from uh, the house. I say studio. It's more of an office slash studio. Okay. But um, a a small creature has died underneath my floorboards, as happens in rural (laughs) New Zealand, and the stench is disgusting. (laughs) I'm actually surrounded by flies at the moment. Is it a a wayward hobbit? (laughs) It could be a hobbit. It smells more like an orc i can hear the flies i just heard that yeah did you hear the fly yeah flies went past the mic or
4: was it the fly <laughs> <laughs> might just be called the fly yeah, yeah. like this <laughs> sorry that was a fly, it was a fly.
1: Uh, can i use that I don't think we're going to be having any fun today, guys. I'm a little bit worried. No, 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 no. <laughs> We never, ever
4: had any fun. No.
1: Well, I kind of gathered that, I mean, your first uh, album that we saw over here in the States was Serious Fun, and you've re-released that, so, you know, yeah, that goes to mm-hmm. explain. <laughs> right. Well, just kind of a background, the whole purpose of my website and this podcast is kind of to celebrate the people who've kind of written the soundtrack of the Christian music uh, that we listen to. And you guys are definitely part of that, and I'm just so excited and honored that the three of you would be willing to take time out of your busy schedules to hang with us today. So good,
4: you're welcome. Well, Thanks for having us. You know, I will. I will say, and this is just answering for myself, but the whole idea of you know taking time out of our busy schedules to sit and talk about ourselves—I um, <laughs> don't know. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, it's my favorite subject. So. Um, no, well, it's funny, It's funny though, that, that the whole idea of when you're a musician or an artist, like it's, it's somehow, somehow because you were given the ability to play music and you do it on stage, it's now someone's honour that you would take time at, out of your day. And I just want you to know that all three of us guys are thoroughly over ourselves, and we are very happy to have the honour of talking with you. So I just want Uh-oh. to say... Yeah, we need to turn yeah. that one around. It might have been a time when I thought that. I'll <laughs> confess, but that was before therapy. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm still, I'm still a little too much into myself, just to be honest. <laughs>
4: That's all right. Yeah. That's why God gave you a dead animal under the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. And
3: Dave, I'll just, I'll just add, you, you said that those who wrote the soundtrack. Um, so I just want to say that I didn't really write anything. I just hit yeah. the drums. That was you all. You better I just did.
4: talk to Paul then. You didn't do a whole lot, already. Yeah, and I spent a lot of time taking all the credit for stuff that they did too. So you know, we're kind of uh, well, all you've done is given us half an introduction. We've still answered the question, even though you haven't asked it yet. <laughs> so anyway sorry as as you were as you were saying
1: (laughs) yeah well no you know the whole thing that i i realize, especially right now in in our culture right now is that we need to spend more time getting to know each other regardless of what your occupation is and just Mm. because like you said you guys had an opportunity to be on stage and people would look at you that way we all have pieces of life that god has brought us through that are valuable for us to learn from each other so I honestly, whether I'm sitting with uh you know the president of a major company or the janitor i I'm honored that you would take time to hang out with us. so, so I appreciate good. your statements, but the honor's still the honor's all ours. how's how about that?
4: Can we Can we well, we'll see at at the share end, the honor? Mind. I mean, can't we we'll share, share it? We'll share it. Is, is there anything wrong yeah. with sharing the honor? That's Come what on. I said. I think, the the I honor's all ours. Yeah. Oh, ours. Okay, gotcha. I thought you were talking about your podcast. My bad. No, I, yeah. I
1: wasn't talking about the hours of time we're going to spend each other either.
4: We'll so. right. okay. <laughs> be at we this rate, right, Yeah. <laughs> Did you, you get any idea now about how long it took us to arrange a song? I mean, we can not even get through one sentence from an interview. Uh,
0: I've got a suggestion, though, by the way. I think we should say the word over at the end of every statement. Over. Oh, over. I like that. you got to say over. Otherwise, we'll talk over each other. It's got to be like a like radio conversation. Over. Grant, my love for you is over. <laughs> All right. Scratch the over idea. <laughs>
1: Well, it's obvious you guys enjoy hanging out and enjoy spending time together. Uh, was that what brought you guys together to make music as PC three or was what, what was kind of the impetus for getting started as a group?
4: Ooh, I'll start answering that fellas. So I was, um, writing songs and performing them and, uh, I was heading overseas quite a bit. Um, and. At one point, I just was hanging out with Phil and asked him if he wanted to come with me. And he said, yeah, fine. And so we had this rehearsal one day where we put all these instruments out and he tried the guitar and then he did this. And eventually he had a snare Mm -hmm. and a a shaker and a brush. And that seemed to be the best combination. So he and I took off and did a tour um, of the States and the Philippines. I could say in Asia, but that would be making it sound better. Um, and then we, we came back, and um, there was really only one guy that we were interested in joining and having this group together, and that was Grant. And so that we had a rehearsal, and there was just this magic. And so I kind of turned all my solo gigs into gigs together. Mm. And then I think part narcissism, part necessity, um, it's, it went to the Paul Coleman Trio. I probably was resistant at being a band name because I wanted to be the main guy and i think there was another part of it that it just had a ring to it i can't remember exactly but that's kind of how we became a band and the first gig which is i think we, we just killed that was just something about the chemistry mm. between the three of us that just worked you know there was me i kind of had this bunch of songs and i kind of had this performance style and yet I was disorganized and, you know, it wasn't super professional sometimes. And so then these guys came along and they were just, they were pros, you know, they were just pros at their instrument. And then they found their place, um, not in the background, but, you know, right, right next to me along the way. And the three personalities just worked so well together. That's what I would say. Anyway, you guys
1: agree with that, Phil and Grant?
3: Yeah, well, I would say as we began to perform, we we all found little roles and we're all so different in so many ways. And I guess, you know, all of us were performing in before we, we worked together. So we'd all sort of explored a little bit our, our own sort of performance style, I guess. And, and I guess, I don't know, Paul, you can confirm or deny, but I thought it was fun because we started to bounce off each other and probably you had a sense that, you know, not many bands were actually entertaining people. They were, they were playing great music and often, you know, it was sort of grunge at the time. A mm-hmm. lot of people were just sort of low-slung guitars and looking at their shoes.
0: Flannelette shirts.
3: Style of music. <laughs> and, and and so Paul was a real entertainer and, and all of a sudden he had two other clowns to bounce off.
0: And I, I would probably add to that too is that um, we're three guys with a lot in common. So we were, you know, similar ages, all in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, Australia. We were all uh, connected in some way with the Christian mm. Church. We all had a faith in Christ, and we were all passionate to find a way of making a career of music. Mm. And you have all those things in common. That was about three people at the time. Yeah, <laughs> and that was yeah. us three. <laughs> so and, and and we and we knew each other. Well, like we we not only had we played in each other's bands or seen each other play or mm. attended each other's church services or you know just hung out turned up at the same 21st birthday party things like that <laughs> you know we yeah we just, we knew each other so it's like oh well this fits together let's go and as soon as we started playing out live I think we all smelt that there was some x factor in the air yeah the, 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 the smell wasn't a dead animal under my floorboards it was <laughs> Something else, something else that was good, a sweet aroma. When
4: the band started, I think we would say we weren't like a smell. We were more of a aroma. Um, or a smudge. A smudge. A, a smear. A globule. Um, a globule. I will tell you this. Dave. I find it hard to talk about this, Dave, without saying this, but um, I, I struggle. I battle a lot of regret when it comes to Grant and Phil and my relationship. I uh, I just had so many um, personal issues that that got in the way of me being free to follow this. There was a lot of fear, a lot of hmm. a lot of things where you know I kind of kept certain things to myself, and then I was constantly trying to renegotiate instead of just experiencing like what's better to be thirty percent of something great than to try to be sixty percent of something where people aren't feeling included and i felt like i did a really bad job of that Mm -hmm. now i know that grace is bigger than that i know that god's bigger than that and so i don't let regret overwhelm me but i do have sadness as i look back i think Mm -hmm. that i could have done such a better job of embracing that and yet i can't also blame myself for what i didn't know and so um these guys are very graceful courageous people and they taught me a lot about life and the fact that we're still friends yeah, gives me an incredible feeling about what God's love, God, God's love is like, and and um, but I do I do look back, um, with sadness. I won't say regret, but I feel like I wish I could have done a lot better at managing, and leading our relationships, um, and being much more inclusive instead of more afraid. And I've communicated that to these guys, and I think when we made, the record that we did in two thousand and eleven there was a strong sense of coming together to try to do something a little bit different than we did it before. And it was very healing. Um, there's a couple of songs on there. There's one song actually that Grant and I came up with and, and uh, man, i tell you, when I listen to that, I still get goosebumps because <laughs> mm. it's, it's so, it's so brutally honest um, from my perspective. Um,
1: Isn't that part of being in community though, is, is being able to support and encourage and embrace each other through the stuff that is like, oh, you know, you've got that wart, but I accept you anyway, and helping us to, to learn how to grow through that and in spite of that.
4: Yeah, it just helps when when people, when everybody's present and everybody's self-aware and everybody has kind of done enough work on their their family of origin stuff. I mm-hmm. really hadn't done much in any of those areas. My gift is what had taken me that far, but my character was very lacking. And so in the last, you know, 15 years that we haven't been a band i kind of put my gift on the back burner and i've instead worked on my character and so now i could give it i could give a damn about my gift like i really don't care yeah matter of fact i'm selling insurance (laughs) i don't even care um but it's like i'd rather be a good man than a good singer or entertainer um so, yeah, so, but you're right. Community is what does that, and these guys, I'd say, probably taught me more about that than I taught them, although I talked about it more than they did.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to talk more
4: because you're the the, the name on the, the group, right? <laughs> yeah, the Bible says to avoid that, but I didn't really do that.
3: Dave, if I can, I'll just add to that, that I thought, you know, Paul already had a, a well-established audience that were right. keen on listening to these real heartfelt Songs about life crossing over into faith that you know, it was very it was very well established that we would join on to what he was already doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that had captured a lot of people's attention in that, you know, there were people hungry for some kind of experience, uh, external to what the traditional church was doing, but yet, everyone in a pub could listen to it as well at the same time. So Paul, even though he probably talks down his character, had already done a pretty amazing job of setting up uh, a, a great audience to and, and a, a great conversation, if you like, through mm-hmm. music. If you listen to some of his solo stuff before uh, before the trio, it was very honest and it, it talked a lot about these issues that Paul's talking about, you know, about character.
1: Well, and one of the things that I recognize is that a lot of times, I mean, even Scripture talks about this, together we are stronger than we are independently. I mean, that's definitely the truth with God as part of that trio, you know, the court of three. Um, And and I think that a lot of our growth and our personal uh, ability to minister to others comes from the fact that we have been ministered to by friends, by others that are supporting us. And so we all Mm. bring strengths that help us be better as a collective very true
0: absolutely and, and you know the uh the original paul coleman trio logo was like three cardboard cutout men you know the three toilet door men standing beside each other reaching out towards each other
2: yeah three guys i never and thought about that I, that's good me either
0: <laughs> oh well, there you go um
3: kind of sums us up a little really doesn't it <laughs>
0: But the, uh, one of the beautiful things that was partly responsible for this response we were getting uh, from audiences as a band was the fact that there was obviously a main guy. There's Paul Coleman. He's He's got this following already as an individual, as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. He's obviously the main spokesperson, the the dynamo, the main writer, the singer. But he is choosing to lift up these two other guys and, and uh, bring them to the fore with him. And um, I think that was one of the things it was the flow of the Holy Spirit in between the three guys, yeah, as faulty true. as we all were, that was it was part of the attraction, maybe the main attraction. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's me just being a bit too spiritually minded or something. But there was something amazing about the, the flow in between us that was attractive. I agree.
4: I think it was the main thing.
1: And I think that's the way God has intended us to be in community with each other. So I, you know, mm. I, I applaud what your guys are sharing and your vulnerability of saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, we had our we had our warts, so to speak." But God taught us how to live with them and how to make those a strength.
4: Yeah,
0: and I, you know, I'm glad to hear. Like, like, there's a difference between looking back with some sadness and sorrow, and and then regret. You know. Is that what you said, Paul? You don't have regret, right? Like, I, I don't have regret. Yeah, no, either. I think
4: it's I think it's just sadness. I think that um, the problem with regret is that it sounds like I'm in charge of something. And hmm. God's grace is way bigger than anything I could feel. So I can say that I'm a bit sad and I wish I'd done things better, but I still have to hmm. believe that God's grace and purpose was there. Otherwise, it sounds like I was in charge, you know?
0: Uh, yeah and I think we could all say that, you know, we could all look back with regret uh, with with some sadness about maybe we could have done things better. I can certainly say that about our our relationships too. Um Well there
3: were and and to add to that there was definitely some things that were happening with, that were way bigger than us. I mean there yeah. I never forget when Paul called me from America. He was over there negotiating to get us on the third day tour. <laughs> and he rang us. He rang me. I was working on it on on our record in the studio just polishing our live record and he rang and said, uh, we're on the third day tour of America, you know, and that was, a, for, that was a dream that I don't know whether any of us could have made happen really. I mm. think that was mm. that was one of the God moments where he, he put us in front of a, a much bigger audience.
4: I remember too they experienced the three of us when they toured with us out mm. in Australia and they experienced all three of us together, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. that kind of
1: brings up the the next question that I was kind of having. So, wh- you guys had done very well in Australia. I think I th- heard one of you say in an interview that of the three bands that were in Australia at the time, you were one of one of them, and and uh, <laughs> so you did very very well. But, but my question was was is coming to the states was that a was that a ministry or a career goal of yours, or was that just oh this is happening? Poll. <laughs>
4: go uh, I, I I think I represent the other guys when I say this that all just sounds so complicated I don't think we're smart enough to think of that I think that you know <laughs> when you when you follow Jesus everything you do is a ministry and mm-hmm. so you really don't need that word you really need just to go you know whether I, I got to pay the bills and I and I want to do something I'm passionate about and I want to do it with people that I'm connected with and so really, I mean, you know, we're just thinking about the next step for our careers, but when, you, when you're a person that follows Jesus, whether you're doing your career or whether you're doing anything, it's still the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like I think sometimes maybe religious people might overcomplicate things, worrying about, is this my ministry, is this this, is this that? And I think, you know, I, I've always felt it's just a little bit complicated. Um, so yeah. having Good said answer. that. I think that all of us, no matter who we are, always have mixed motives. You know, there's part of selfish ambition. There's part of good endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just realized that, you know, God God uses it all. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely wanted to be a musician that had an international audience. I definitely wanted that for myself. And I think I was smart enough to realize my best chance of that was with Grant and Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, like in a, in a confession, I think part of me resented that as well, <laughs> because I wanted to be everything. Um, I remember Peter Furler in two thousand and one or something. I, I, I don't know where it was. We were the trio. We were we were playing with the Newsboys in um, in uh, in New Zealand um, at Parachute Festival. Gosh, that's twenty years ago. Wow. <laughs> uh, I remember, and and Peter. Um, and Wes from the Newsboys pulled me apart backstage, and they said, "Hey, we really like that song, Fill My Cup," and I'm like, "Okay." And they said, "We really want to release it." And I'm like, "Yeah, nah, I don't think so. That's that's my song." And then I said, "Yeah, we feel like the the chorus is great, but we want to make the verses a bit more hooky. Would you be interested in us doing that?" Nah, no thanks. Yeah. You know, I would have saved five years of work, you know, that song goes on the radio Yeah, <laughs> and it's suddenly, oh, you're the guys that, you know, and then, but I just was too bloody minded. I didn't even entertain it because mm. I wanted to be the singer, the writer, that the everything. And so, yes, there was selfish ambition in there. Um, but I think all of us, you know, we're really committed to this idea that, you know, if we just move together and we're friends and we're brothers and we do this thing, then, there really isn't that much of a difference between what we might call ministry or work. We're just going to be together yeah, and, and we're going to do this thing. you know. Yeah, they, I think that's the they, way we thought.
0: Sure. There's a, I think there's a sense from all three of us that this, it's so easy to over-compartmentalize um, your life. Mm, and yeah. it would seem to me that one of the cultural differences between the Australian approach to faith and, and a potential American approach to faith, and I'm being grossly generalizing here, is i'd like to think that us in melbourne just like if you're if you're a follower of jesus in melbourne australia when we were when we were there it's like if you're a follower of jesus you're already sticking your neck out like a giraffe mm. whereas in nashville tennessee if you're a, if you're a christian you know then you're sort of going with the flow yeah and it, and it's it's quite a different thing so with us three guys in a band together and this is like late 90s late 2000s we all feel like there's something really good that's happening through it through what we're doing together musically creatively artistically it's starting to make sense business-wise but business wise but we're also sensing and it's all blurred together that god might be doing something through all this because this is you know it's just reflections on life and asking tough questions and people seem to be resonating with you know songs like dear god I don't understand, you know. Yeah. Rather than this very compartmentalised, well, what should a Christian band really say in a song, you know? So, and it's just it's a thing to flow. So we, we just realised we have to leave Australia if we're going to find a bigger audience. I think we all knew that. True. You know, you just in te- in, you you just know if you're in Australia and you want to find a bigger audience, you must leave home.
1: What I was kind of thinking about is uh, let's take the musician off the the plate for a minute and let's talk about I'm a plumber. If I'm a great plumber in a town of 500 people, I might have two or three jobs, you know, that I can do. But if I really want to enhance my skill, I'm going to go to a bigger pond, a bigger a bigger, right. a bigger toilet. As we talked about, the toilet guys on the front door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but but and if I'm a Christian plumber, I'm going to be doing that with ethics. I'm going to be doing that with intentionality, and I mm. can carry that. I mean, we don't talk about Christian plumbers. We talk about Christian right. musicians, and I think a lot I of do. times that yeah. is one of the things that we do ourselves a disservice, and saying I'm going to pigeon my whole self in this hole because I'm a Christian musician. Right.
0: Let's talk about plumbers. I'd like to talk about plumbers.
1: Grant might need one at his place by the sound of it. (laughs) Yes, I
4: do. Is that your toilet or you got an animal down there? (laughs) If if the
3: plumber turned up at Grant's place in New Zealand with that voice, you'd be really worried. (laughs) Oh,
4: you'd be like, what's that smell? What's that smell down there? It smells... Stunky. (laughs) What is it? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) And
3: those accents come on the moment you land in Auckland at Auckland Airport, don't they? Precious. So what
2: would
1: you what would you guys tell somebody who's listening, whatever their skill is, about being intentional and and excellent at following the craft that God has given you to do and using that as a platform to share the love
0: of Jesus.
3: I pretty much wouldn't tell any plumber who follows Jesus what to do because I reckon he's probably got life way more together than I
0: do. Well, I mean, I after the Paul Coleman trio um, took our big, long break, uh, 2004, I found myself in a band called Sonic Flood for a few years.
1: Oh, yeah, we've heard of them.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, so, Sonic Flood. So I joined the band and, uh, after they were huge. Let's just be clear about that. Uh, but I... You know, it was a really um, interesting ride for, for me in that perspective. I'm sure the guys have got their own perspective on it, but I really saw this word worship being used in one way from when I grew up in the church and then in the 90s. And then as the 2000s dawned, the word worship started getting used by Christians very, very differently. And now it became worship band, worship song, worship leader, worship experience, at least more than I'd been used to before that. And I Hmm. found myself in this band, Sonic Flood, that's known as being a worship band. In fact, one of the forefathers of the modern worship phenomenon, quote unquote. And I really found myself thinking very, very deeply about the word worship and what it really is supposed to mean. Because I don't believe it's a genre of music. Right. I don't believe it's a type of song. I don't believe it's 20 minutes at the start of a church service. Um, And, And in Nashville, Tennessee, where I lived for 17 years, um, worship is an industry term. It's a subset of the Christian contemporary music industry. And it's grown since the late 90s to be almost all of the Christian contemporary music industry is now the quote unquote worship contemporary music industry. Um, So I I recognize and I would be saying to that plumber or anybody, hey, look, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a worshiper. Mm -hmm. But. Our culture uses the word worship and, in my opinion, misuses it so much so that it disguises really what it means to be a worshipper because we, we can think of ourselves very easily as being a worshipper, quite unquote, if we attended a church service or sang the songs. Right. But that's that's not my understanding. And I don't think it's really – I don't think it's the truth that's imprinted on anyone's heart. If I attend a service and I sing songs, that qualifies me as a worshipper. So I'm I'm an Australian bass player, so it's got to be simple, you know, like a worshiper to me is someone who shows the worth of God or the worship of God is anything that a person does that points to the value of who God is. So that plumber, no matter what walk of life I'm in, electrician, musician, politician, uh, stay at home parent, whatever you are, every moment of every day, obviously you a chance to be a worshiper. How do I show the worth of God by the way I fix this toilet? How do I show the worth of God as I'm building Lego with my boys? How do I show the worth of God when I'm singing songs to a pe- to a group of people? How do I show the worth of God when I'm asked to lead them to sing a prayer to him? And that's been freeing for me. Just this, you don't have to compartmentalize all this stuff. Like Paul was saying before about, you know, ministry quote unquote, you know. Right the compartmentalizing messes us up. So how do I show the worth of God in this moment? And that's that's a lot more fun way to live, I've found.
1: I would agree 100%. So let's talk a little bit about the difference. Uh, I mean, we've we've kind of touched on it, but the difference of, of worship, as you guys are, uh, have experienced it in New Zealand, in Australia, and here in the States. And is there parts of worship that we could improve on here in the States? Are there parts of worship that we could lay down in Australia? I'm not saying that Australia is better at it than, than, than the States. I'm just, those are our two comparative sides.
0: Now I don't really understand the question, Dave. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Look, I, I actually feel quite personally responsible, especially during my years with Sonic Flood, of helping create a great deal of confusion about what this word worship means. So to me, the word worship is most potent as a verb. That's how mm-hmm. I see it used in the Bible. I don't ever see it as an adjective in the Bible. And my mouth steers my life like a ship is steered by a rudder. So uh, I'm trying to think about, all right, if Romans 12, 1 tells me to offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and that's how I worship God, then I can't tell you how... That the american church should worship um i i'm struggling to be transformed from idolater to a worshiper myself i think that's the journey of all of us but if i was going to give one little piece of my story that i hope is helpful to your listeners and to anyone is if we if we agree that our mouths speak what our heart is full of if we agree that um it's not by what goes into our mouth that we will be judged or or you know, condemned, it's by what comes out of it, then let's just think about how we use the word worship and maybe use it only as a verb that means show the worth of God and just see what happens to our church services and music after that.
1: I love that. And for me, uh, I've been reading through Luke 6, uh, they call it the Sermon on the Plain because it's kind of the abbreviated Sermon on the Mount, and maybe it was a different time or whatever. But that whole thing that you were just talking about, about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks— How God has told us to clean apart, clean out those hidden places and fill it with praise and fill it with the Lord, because if you don't, then six other demons are going to come back in and then you're really going to be speaking filth. And I like the notion that we're talking about worship is an attitude of the heart in everything that we do, whether it's performing on stage, singing at church or plumbing, uh, you know, unplugging a toilet.
0: Yeah, and so this was freeing for me. The Paul Coleman Trio, we were what would be considered a CCM band. And we didn't put words to the songs on screens beside us. Most of our songs were for people to listen to. Mm -hmm. And if they bought the record and heard the song on the radio, then they might be able to sing the chorus of Fill My Cup, which actually was a prayer to God, right? um, because they knew it really well. But we weren't considered to be a quote-unquote worship band. And then I joined Sonic Flood where all the songs are actually prayers to God and the words are, of all the songs are on the screens. But apart from that, the differences between the the style of the band is very, very similar, hardly, hardly different at all. But I'd like to think of it this way. All right, in the Paul Common Trio, we were asking people to listen to our songs primarily, but it was still our best attempt to show the worth of God. We were still trying to point towards the worship of God. Yeah. And then the difference between Paul Commentary and Sonic Flood was that we're actually now in Sonic Flood asking people to sing the songs. Mm. And one, one band is not more worship, quote unquote, than the other. They're right. both people who are part idolater, part worshipper, trying to point people towards the worth of God. Yes. That's that's the similarity. But that, that idea of worship switching on and switching off it messes us up. You know, it, We hear people say things like, I really like worship at that church, but not the worship at that church. Or... Um, you know, like we think that worship is a commodity that we get to decide whether we like it or not, mm. but actually, only God gets to decide how worshipful worship is. And if I am a, a follower of Jesus, then I, then I'll need to be recognizing that every moment of every day gives me a chance to worship Him, and I can't be in a church building singing all the time.
3: And I would I would just add to that, Grant referenced Romans twelve, which talks about us offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and so therefore, it doesn't matter whether you're in Australia, New Zealand, or America, the goal is to live as a living sacrifice, whatever that means for you. Um, and And it's saying, you know, that we would be holy and pleasing to God. So I guess all of us have got to figure out wherever we are, what that means, whether you're driving your car, you know, talking to the person at the supermarket, on stage playing music, whatever, that's... How you do that is, is your true and proper worship, says Romans 12. So I guess yeah. that's what we've all tried to do, and like Grant says, to deconstruct this word worship.
1: And I like the statement that we're talking about, that ultimately it's not our, our, our decision of what worship is, but worship is supposed to be a fragrant offering to the Lord, and the Lord is saying, that was worship. Thank you for worshiping me.
3: Yeah.
0: He's the only entity that gets to decide whether he's been worshipped or not, surely. We're, yeah. we, we humans might think we've got the perspective necessary to measure that, um, but we just don't. We're humans.
3: And, and and one of the songs that Paul wrote, yeah, very early on, even before we were a trio that we ten, tended to use and we've just re-released, which will be coming out online, is Dear God, which talks about it's not just what you say, but it's how you live. Yeah. That is really, again, like Grant said, pointing towards the idea that we're worshipping through
1: Everything that we do, not just through what we sing. Well, and you guys have kind of carried this out uh, to that next level. In that, you guys uh, obviously are not currently uh, touring and and recording together. I, mean, I think we talked at the beginning; you haven't physically been together since two thousand twelve or something like that. But you are now carrying out your worship in different avenues and looking very different. I think, Paul, you you said you are writing insurance, but you can still worship writing insurance policies right
4: yeah i don't think about it but i'm sure i am being i'm sure i'm doing it Hmm. i just don't i just don't think about stuff like that because i'm not smart enough to figure (laughs) out what's worship what's a mission what's a ministry what's i I don't know why i just get on the phone with someone i ask god into my life and i listen to the holy spirit and then i talk to him you know so Mm -hmm. i don't really I don't know anyone that's clever enough to do that. I'm pretty that's clever. Good. I can't do it. Yeah, me neither.
3: Yeah, that's good. And but, Paul, Paul, I know if I if I can speak for you, Paul, you think about how, and you've always uh, thought about how you treat people, how you speak to them. You know, do you are you offering them love, grace, or are you offering them, you know, a sharp tongue? What's What's right. the difference? So that's you know, if that's listening to the Holy Spirit, okay. <laughs> you know, but
4: I am. Um, I was thinking about, I was asked to preach somewhere, which I, I, normally I don't get asked back, but I was, this the time. I was asked and, um, and I stood up there and I said, you know, I've been thinking, how did Jesus know what to do and say? Like, how did he know? Cause it was always different. You know, we're, we're not like him We, we get one version of our story and we just repeat it. Or we get something that he said to one person like born again. And now that's the new, you know, XXL shirt. Put this shirt on, mate. So how did he know how did he know and and how did he know how to say it different every time and then the answer was well he was led by the spirit okay well how did he how did he know the difference between the spirit's voice and the other voices well that's because he believed God's voice and God's voice said this is my son and whom I'll please listen to him so how come I don't hear it Well, because I've got these other voices like shame and guilt and fear and arrogance and resentment and codependence and shame and toxic shame and self-hatred and self-loathing and blah, 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 blah. And those voices are much louder than the Holy Spirit's voice because I obey shame more than I obey God. So going to war with those voices and going to war and doing the work to shut them up means mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit's voice gets louder. And then it's quite simple: you get up and you do what He says, and then you go to bed. And therefore, what happens is is that it always comes out different because you've got the creative source of the universe. Yeah. But then, when you listen to someone and it's always said the same way, they don't really need the Spirit. They're led by Christianity. They don't. They know exactly what to say because they learnt it in that school class or they went to that seminar. And it's always the same. It always is boring and it's always just never comes to life. And it's always like uh, if, you know, you're sitting on a plane and and if that's your paradigm, you have to speak to the person next to you. And the Holy Spirit's going, shut up, shut up. He's not your guy. And you're like, that's got to be the devil. Of course I'm supposed to speak to him. Hmm. So I think I've I've learned a bit from thinking about that. And I will testify to that as I have gone to war with those voices and gone to my identity in who I am in Jesus, I hear his voice clearer than ever um, hmm. compared to five years ago, three months ago, 10 years ago, because I know that voice of shame now. And that voice of shame says, Paul, you know, there's something wrong with you. Everyone else is fine and not you. And I'm like, Hey, listen, shame. You can stick it because God says I'm his kid and we're working on this stuff. And that is not who I am. I'm his kid. And hmm. so, you have all this genre of music that's based on this thinking and that is like, well, we call it Christian music. Well, why is that? Well, it's Christian. Well, Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. But this is Christian music. Yeah. And, and therefore this is what it's going to be like. And this is where we're going to do it. And I don't know, man, if you put the word something before music, you're already, you're already telling someone what they're supposed to experience kind of like saying oh that's my rich friend that's my black friend that's my gay friend just say that's my friend yes and let's not let's not suddenly but humans we want control because we're all afraid and so we want these boxes we want these categories we want these genres christians we want to know oh, i did my worship for the week oh, i was great i oh, done my study for the week did my witnessing, popped out there and did a little ministry and last year went to Guatemala <laughs> on a mission trip. Rock and roll, man. Now we can go forward and I can just go to work and treat everyone like an ass and I don't have to tip that person and I don't even have to use my turn signal because who cares? Yeah, um, That's kind of like – that's kind of part of the thinking that, that us three guys sort of found to be like putting wine in old wineskins. It just felt – it felt like when – they tried to put Saul's armor on David. And he's like, you know what? With with respect, guys, I can't fight in this. (laughs) Like, I've killed bears and tigers with a sling. Like, I know what I'm doing, just simply. He wasn't rebellious. He was just like, ew, I can't fight in this stuff. That's kind of what a lot of that felt like for us three guys. And we tried to communicate that. Um, But, you know, in the end, we were signed at exactly the same week as casting crowns. And their music closed the deal in an American evangelical way in a way that our lyrics never did. And so we were dead in the water. Um, And and so it doesn't matter. But, like, you have to understand that sometimes it's good to listen to people coming from another country. Even though it's awkward, they kind of see things that you might not see. Right. And I think underneath all this thinking is just beautiful people that God loves and who love God. And they're just the same as us. We're all battling. But sometimes we're just kind of talking about what might be hindering them rather than saying they're terrible or they're awful or the way they think they're idiots. It's more just saying, hey, this might, this stuff may not be as helpful as you think. Yeah. I think that's really more the message. But, you know, in the end, they're our brothers and sisters and we love them and we've got our stuff and they got their stuff. But sometimes God gives people maybe some insights to say, hey, you know, when you're carrying all that stuff, it it may not actually help you get up the hill that well, you know, that's not that helpful for you there, bro. Well,
1: and I'm very aware of the fact that, that, that there is a place for casting crowns. I mean, regardless of the industry uh, and take all that part out of it, there are people mm-hmm. that are being ministered to by casting crowns but there's also people right. being ministered to by the guy who's singing down at the local pub and talks about his faith through music in a way that's mm-hmm. approachable to those people and so we have a place god has made each of us individual with specific gifts and skills that he wants to use and if we're going to say well i'm not doing it like the pc3 did it or i'm not doing like casting crowns or whoever Well, that's not what God called you to do. He didn't call me to be Paul Coleman or Grant Norsworthy or Phil Gowden. He called me to be Dave Maurer to do the things, the gifting that he's given me. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what we as an industry do is we're saying, okay, I have to do this formula so I can sell, so I can get a lot of records out there. Well, that might not be what God wants you to do. He might want you to be down at the bar strumming your guitar, singing rock songs that then open the door for somebody to say, you're different. What's up with you? Mm. That's great.
4: Yeah, I do agree with that. There's only one thing I don't, I don't like about that thinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm right. I really am not, actually. I, I used to. Um, and that is that, yes, you're right. You know, God uses everything. God spoke to Balaam through an ass. You know, he's going right. to use whatever he needs to do. He's going to get through to us, no worries. He's going to do it, and we can't limit that. No problem. Um, but then, you know, Jesus did clear the temple he did put a whip together. he didn't just say, well, you know what, God's using these guys too, you know? And he didn't just say to the Pharisees, well, you know what, that's fine. I think there is some times where it's like something is actually cancerous and it's not really healthy. And that's not, I didn't just say casting grounds were healthy or cancerous. I guess what I'm saying is, is that, you know, it's a genre of music where you have to close the deal lyrically. And if you don't close the deal lyrically, people are not on your side. And so if you think about Jeremiah, he was railing against the religiosity of his time. And Mm -hmm. I think some of our songs do that because I've said to people at the record labels, I'm not going to put that in there. Yeah, but we know that's going to sell. And I'm like, guys, here's the deal. Are you following Billy Graham or Jesus of Nazareth? Mm-hmm. Because Jesus of Nazareth told these stories and even his best mates took years to figure out what he's saying. But you're telling me someone has to understand that by 42 seconds after the first chorus? Who are we actually trying to please here? Like Jesus, I mean, you even said it yourself there, um, David. You said it, you called it the Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah. Where does it say those words in scripture? It doesn't. That's just the heading of the guy that wrote the NIV. It was eight lines to his mates halfway up a hill. Um, but we like to call it the sermon, and we like to come out with things like the the Great Commission. Never even says the Great Commission in the Scriptures. Once again, that's the translator's note describing when Jesus summed it all up. So we put that on a pedestal instead of when he said, love God and love others. And all the prophets and all the teaching are based on this. Yeah. Instead, we kind of highlight. Oh no, that was the Great Commission. I'm like, who the ha- who the heck said it was a Great Commission? Like it was what he said to his mates to just remind them. Now listen, go around. So I guess what I'm saying is, that I I do think that you're right. Who the heck are we to say? And God uses everything, but I also think there's a prophetic gift um, there as well that does rail against it, and it is worth hearing. And those people are not very popular, and um, and they don't sell well um, because they're kind of running against the grain. And, and if I've ever had that voice, it also goes with a, do- a dose of self-righteousness that needs to be beaten out of you. And I guarantee you that a good solid divorce and eight years of therapy have certainly helped in that direction. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, do, I do think that's too. But it's also like, you remember this, like the guy down at the pub who's singing gospel songs doesn't get invited to creation festivals. You know right. why? because he's not scanning enough records or he's not on the he's not on the charts but he might have something that's more relevant to say than the person that is so there is a there is a topsy turvy value system in all that as well um that i i also want to be said as part of that and and may i like i said at the fact maybe i'm wrong i just i kind of feel strongly about that even if i'm wrong
1: well and and that was going to be a follow-up to my question the the root of it and you stated it very well paul the root of it is love god and love others I mean, right. as I dig through scriptures, I do not see that it's my job to get anybody to accept the Lord. Right. God does that. My job right. is to say, I love you, and I'm going to show you what, what, a, what a life filled with Christ can look like, or maybe somebody who's trying to live a life filled with Christ, and how I stumble and trip, right. and yet God's still there. My job is to love and say, I'm here, and I'm happy to listen, I'm happy to share, but whatever... I'm accepting you, and with the understanding that the Lord is the only one who can save, and the Lord is the only one who can convict of righteousness and judgment, judgment, and that's not my job. And that, for me, has been very freeing in the worship side of things too, as we're tying this all together. Because I am now able to say, "What you you don't think that song's good? That's fine. How do how do you worship the Lord? Because maybe I can learn from you how you worship, and maybe that can become something beautiful to me, uh, and mm. vice versa."
0: You know, there's a there's a Ancient Hebrew word that shows up in a lot of our church songs, "Hallelujah," means praise God. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1996, I bought a CD from an artist named Jeff Buckley, Uh and track track six on that album was a song called "Hallelujah." And I knew that that word from growing up in the church was sung really often. Um, But Jeff Buckley sang this song, and it just grabbed me. You know, you ever hear a song, David, and it just like grabs you really, really deeply. Like the sort of grab depth that happens once every decade or five years, you know. That song grabbed me, and it was just Jeff Buckley singing this song with just an electric guitar. And it wasn't just his beautiful performance and his amazing sounding voice and the, and the amazing tone on the guitar that grabbed me. I realized that this song was actually weaving the story of King David from the Bible together with the story of the songwriter. And it was a beautiful melody. But the, the, the message I got from this song, Hallelujah, being sung by an artist who made no claim to be a follower of Jesus, anything to do with the Christian church. In fact, he died at age 28, very tragically. And, and uh, you know, people, a lot of your listeners might know who he is. But he took took the story of the songwriter and the story of King David and wove them together. And the, the overall message that I got from that song, Hallelujah, was, was this. God, I've made mistakes. There's darkness, I'm broken, but I still recognize you are God and and I'm going to sing your praises. I'm still going to sing hallelujah. Now, other people get other things from that song, but that's what I got.
1: Yeah,
0: And I realized it was actually a Leonard Cohen song and it's now become one of the most covered songs of all time outside the church. People outside the Christian (laughs) church generally love that song. The song that says, I'm broken, I'm messed up, but I'm still going to recognize there's God and he deserves to be praised. It's not very popular inside the church because it's got some pretty edgy lyrics in some mm-hmm. of the verses. Yep.
4: Um, kind of like Song of Solomon. Yeah, yeah. Right,
0: right. But it's, it's brought me to this point of realizing <laughs> that, that people outside the Christian church have no problem with the idea that there could be a God, that we are broken and that we should praise him. But people inside the church don't like that song because we want to have it all tied up into a nice, neat bow. The Christian church's music, by and large, is very rejected by those outside the Christian church. It is. And and it's not because we proclaim that there is a God who deserves to be praised. I think it's because we're not honest about the first part. We're broken. We've messed Mm. up. People resonate with the song Hallelujah and the message of it But but what people don't like from the Christian church, by and large, is that we are pretending that we've got it all together and there is a God that deserves to be praised. Yeah. Uh, The the neat bow. And I think probably the main thing that I'm thankful to my relationships for in Paul and and Phil is that through that ban, and I think this came particularly from Paul, there was this let's be fair income. Let's be real. Hmm. Let's own our mess and own our brokenness, but still recognize that there is a God and a God that deserves to be praised. And that's what we tried to put through our music. And, we did, and the songs didn't always have this neat, and so Jesus is the answer at the end, you know. Um, and, yeah, that's, I've just been left with that thought that if, if we in the Christian church want people to hear the reality of who Jesus is through our music, then I think we need to be able to write more honest songs and realize that we actually are faking it when we present this. We've pretty much got it together, and Jesus is the complete and neat, tied in a bow answer. There's there's more there's more to the story. Any 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 movie book story that connects with people has a darkness to it. There's a yeah. battle, you know. There's yeah. this tension, and if we present a squeaky clean just Here's the perfect answer in our art; it comes across as fake, not real.
3: Well, I I, I would just add to that. And Dave, thanks for listening to us rattle rattle on. But this is rich. The cool thing is that you know, um, two things. I guess the first thing is that yeah, people standing outside the walls of the church um, may or may not acknowledge that God exists, or may or may not acknowledge that He's that He's good. There's a lot of people I know that I, that I chat with that don't think God is good. They think he's a mongrel or he's not a nice person. Um, and other people don't think he exists at all. Um, but, yeah, and, and I don't know whether the church necessarily thinks they've got it all together. I think most of the people that would call themselves followers of Jesus or standing in a church enjoying music are saying, well, I think this God guy might have the answers here. And they, they reckon that's a good thing. And probably, you know, us as a band trying to fly the flag of all these different points of view um, found ourselves doomed to fail on one level because, you know, <laughs> trying to fit into the industry that is predominantly set up to say that God ha- has has all the answers and, and has a clear-cut, you know, sort of view of everything meant that, you know, we were never going to be able to sort of sustain ourselves as a group that could continue to speak that into the the world of Christian music, for want of better better term, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Is, is yeah.
0: this is this kind of what you're trying to say, Phil? Like when when a person who is part of the quote unquote CCM Christian Contemporary Music world, uh, uh, or part of what's now you know the worship music world, quote unquote, they they can't really write an honest song about their questions, about their struggles, or their career is over. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't be writing a song about your porn addiction, but but I'm struggling to worship God from this position. You can't write that song and release it. It won't be played. Um, it, you can't be part of that, that uh, sort of rubber-stamped, approved uh, Christian sort of music. It's just too honest,
3: and and as a band, we yeah exactly Grant, and we as a band we really wrestled with should we sign with a Christian record label or right. a group that was known as a as predominantly working with Christian artists because we didn't know if that would mean the end of what we're trying to do because we all knew underneath that we had a I guess a wider vision if you like of mm-hmm. of the world.
1: Um, well, no, and I think that, that that is where I'm, my heart is right now, is I think that we're spending so much time as a Christian, in quotes, we're not being Jesus followers. We're being this club of Christians that, yeah, you're good enough, you can be in my club, rather than being where Jesus was, eating with the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors and all these. That's where he spent his time. And I think we as uh, an organized religion, which is basically what I think, especially here in the U.S., Christianity has become, is this organization that has these... Um, I mean, we're we're the Sadducees and the Pharisees anymore these days because you have mm-hmm. to follow our rules to be in our club. Guess what, guys? It's not our club. It's God's club. And Jesus is going to be inviting people. In fact, if he can't find people, he's going to go out into the highways and byways and ask people that are sleeping under shrubs to come and join the, fa- the feast because... We we see ourselves as too good to be part of what Jesus is really all about.
4: Well, I don't think that's an American problem. I just think because you're the loudest, it might seem that way. Um, you know, I've sung in fifty five countries, and I would say it's the same thing everywhere.
0: It's the human condition, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. Because Americans are loud, and their and their patriotism, and their you know they wear things on their sleeve. It kind of seems more, but actually, I don't think that's the case at all. Just hmm. so you know, like from a perspective of people from another country. I think that's a human problem. It's just, you know, there's no other country in the world with 325 million Western consumers. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's that's definitely not an American problem, I can tell you that. That's all of us. We, we've all struggled with that.
1: That's good to hear, or maybe it's not good to hear, but I appreciate that, that perspective.
4: Well, I mean, it's like that with <laughs> these days, you know, people are always texting me, oh, well, I can't believe you're living in America. And I'm like, shut your pie hole. You haven't lived here for 15 years. You don't know anything. I said, plus, you know, if you grew up here, too, you'd you'd think you had more rights than Jesus told you you did and everything as well. So and, and I just tell people, you know, you like I just got off the phone talking with this lady in Montana that I just sold a policy to salt of the earth. And I was talking to her and she said, oh, you know, what do you think about America and everything? And I said, you pull off the road in any subdivision or any farm anywhere in this country in all 50 States and I've been to them all and you just talk to your average American. They're the most beautiful people you'll ever meet in the earth. I said, so I don't, you know, whatever it says on the TV. And I think it's the same with the church, you know, like everyone, I tell you right now, every, every, um, small church or whatever is trying to look like Hillsong or trying to look like Saddleback or trying to look like whatever the other names of the fancy things that all changed the names now. Um, You know, they're they're all trying to look like that. They're all trying to copy that. All of them are, I know, because I've sung in half of them. Um, So, you know, there's no difference. And and then again, this is one of the things that I've gotten to recently. If you take the most conservative Southern Baptist person, and then if you take um, someone who's from the Church of Christ where they don't use instruments, and then you take a Seventh-day Adventist, and then you take a, a raging Pentecostal, and then you take a Jesuit monk and all of them are sitting in a jail cell for two days about to be beheaded for their faith. None of that stuff's going to make a difference. It's all going to get watered down. And so I try, I've been trying to view people that way now. Like instead of looking at the eye going, oh, I can't believe that guy. Mm. Instead, just go underneath it. He's just a guy. Matter, mm-hmm. matter of fact, one of our mates in Australia, <laughs> he's one of my best mates. I love this guy. He, he has never, procre- he's never said, I'm a big Jesus follower, right? But I was bagging Christians one day, and he goes, he goes Coleman, Christians are people too. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? You are right, mate. I am so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's good to sort of say, hey, we struggle with this, and we battle with that, and this, we don't know if this is the best way. And, you know, we feel like this this, but if you boil it down, if you just get rid of all that veneer, People are just people that are trying to understand and connect with God in their lives. And, and, but I do think we do need people to help us think differently. And I do think that culturally we can get stuck, you know, culturally as a country or as a denomination or a denomination mm-hmm. or anything. We can we can get stuck in the rut. And sometimes you do need someone. Like I've I've listened to Grant talk about this stuff, and it's mesmerizing. He has an <laughs> unbelievable gift and talent and he's done his 10,000 hours for communicating this stuff. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And then he got Phil. Phil goes down to the local football club and they call him Filthy. Um that's his nickname down there. <laughs> and and he's the he's the opposite of Filthy. <laughs> he's um he's quite clean on every level. Um but like he goes down there, and he's the salt of the earth of these people, and all this sort of stuff. And and we've all got these different ways of communicating it. Um, but I do think I do think we can always think differently and think better. And I I do think these conversations help in terms of us thinking differently.
3: Yeah, and every every day is a new opportunity, right? Every yeah. day, everyone's got a right. chance to go. Oh, I didn't get it right yesterday, yeah. but I'm um, I'm gonna have another swing today. And I think a lot of people in the church know that. All of us have got the opportunity every day to start again, and you know, not live the way we felt like we failed yesterday, or yeah. you know, yeah. and and to turn it all around, right, and to yeah. to have a have a go at at trying something different. I, I Paul talked up the fact that I go to the local football club. Well, uh, ten years ago I wasn't doing that, but I eventually felt like you know what, well, I've got to stop singing about this. I've actually got to go down to the footy club and start talking to some of the the seemingly roughest people on the earth and try and discuss life and faith with them and it's been one of the hardest things i've ever done but it's actually been the most rewarding at the same time
1: yeah good on you phil legend that's great and i think that's a great way for us to to encourage our listeners as we fade off into the sunset on this episode anyway and and uh i just want you guys to know i want to be respectful of your time i appreciate you're sharing your hearts and sharing where god is leading you guys i think that you guys have shared some things that are going to be very valuable i know things for me to think about and i hope the listeners will feel that way too i would like to close with one thing and this is going to be for each of you we send out a newsletter every saturday asking folks to pray for people who have who have been in music or are currently in music how can we pray for each of you Uh, phil why don't we start with you and then we'll go grant and paul you can close things out well that's lovely dave
3: um yeah, I think probably just you know that for myself and I guess the followers of Jesus in Australia that they will you know work out how to actually live out what they're on about you know and actually to put the rubber on the road and stop stop just singing about it. I mean, we it's good to sing about it, it's good to encourage one another, but it's actually more important that we uh, that we live it out and it's it's how you drive your car it's how you shop at the shops it's how you talk to people everywhere you go and and you know the plumber is equally valuable as the as the musician yes. so pray for us that we'll get that you know
2: yeah
1: Grant, what about you how can we be praying for you
0: um you know i've been living for two years in new zealand and uh trying to find my feet here, find what life looks like here. Um, my wife, Brooke, actually suffered a, what we thought was quite a mild concussion three months ago, but she's uh, still really struggling with the symptoms of that. So uh, yeah, I, if, if there's prayer to be had, I'll take it. And it could just be for, for me, how to love my family and, um, and pray for my wife, Brooke, that she gets well and that we, we find a way of being 24-7, 365, 366 on a leap
4: year worshippers uh, yeah. in this life. Yeah. Mm. Powerful. Paul? So this is how to pray for me? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just need money. I need money. Yeah. <laughs> me too, actually. I think Jesus said the lack of money is the root of all evil at some point. What's that? What's that? Did I get I, that wrong? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah you got it
4: wrong oh the love of money my bad sorry i was reading the message um <laughs> uh, sorry about that sorry it's forwards by anton Lavey. i think no but um honestly though honestly though that would really help um i uh, i've been in debt for 10 years um my marriage was particularly difficult to me financially and um and i'm um, a year ago i changed career because my gigs all went away and i'm loving what i'm doing and i'm licensed in 32 states of America now so I've done a lot of testing a lot of studying um, so if you're listening to this and you need health insurance uh, <clears throat> yep. boomeranghealthinsurance.com but that's no, not but otherwise all. <laughs> otherwise <laughs> otherwise I think that website again boomeranghealthinsurance.com one more <laughs> time no, I think that's enough okay although if you listen it should keep coming back um <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is a boomerang um yeah, I just think I, I think the the other thing, if you apart from praying for money to pay my bills, I think the other thing is um I'm about to enter a new um session of therapy. And this therapy um helps you deal with trauma and damaged emotions in a kind of intensive way. It's like a 4-day intensive. And I found that um some of the things that I uh had to deal with when i was a kid have still found me getting stuck in relationships um an an inability to attach and um and so i've started to seek this um this therapy so i would appreciate prayer with that because you know uh, the the goal is that you know i suppose we're like a computer and the more hard drive space frees up the better the programs run Mm -hmm. so we're trying to get rid of a few viruses. Uh, but if you do, if you have a Mac, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about if you have a Mac. But if you have a PC, <laughs> yeah. you'll know exactly what I'm talking about with viruses. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's humbling to say that you need finances, but I do. And I'd also appreciate some prayer for that therapy because it's going to be difficult facing that stuff. But I want to move forward and, and leave more room to hear God's voice in my head.
1: I really don't think I've laughed as much in a podcast as I did in this episode, but I also appreciate the guy's vulnerability as they shared how they have wrestled with their role as Jesus followers and Jesus worshipers today. I'm pretty sure I tend to take myself too seriously as I try to, quote, do God's work. And today's chat with Phil, Grant, and Paul reminds me that while living for God is serious business... I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by taking ourselves too seriously. But more than the laughter and the good-natured fun, I appreciate the challenge the guys gave to make sure that we are living our lives as God has intended, and that is for us to be Jesus followers, which means being real with the people around us. I think of the scripture in Colossians 3.17, and it says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. So am I working to earn my neighbor's approval or am I striving to gain God's approval? The Paul Coleman trio guys really gave me some good stuff to think about. Hey, we mentioned it briefly during our conversation but the guys have just released their first two albums, I should say re-released, with uh, remastered and a couple of bonus tracks And you can pick that up on their website, paulcolmantrio.com. I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes and be sure and buy the album directly from the artist because that really helps them financially. Well, thanks for listening this week. Don't forget to check out the great work of Mercy, Inc. and all the stuff that they're doing. Uh, You can learn more by jumping onto christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy to learn how you can be involved in making a difference around the world by being the hands and feet of Jesus. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website ChristianMusicArchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about
0: you.